Hello there, and welcome to the Crypto Frontier. I'm Jonathan Miller, Managing Director of Kraken Australia, and here on the Crypto Frontier, we will hear from the industry's best and brightest about the latest news in crypto and blockchain from Australia and around the world. Whether you haven't yet bought your first Bitcoin or want to better understand the latest DeFi token or development in blockchain, this show will go behind the scenes with founders, experts, and industry professionals to explore the technology that powers the future of finance. Please note that this podcast does not constitute financial product advice. You should consider obtaining independent advice from a financial advisor before making any financial decisions. I hope you enjoy the show. Hi there, folks. In this episode, I speak with James Manning from Mawson Infrastructure Group about the company's plans to roll out modular Bitcoin mining rigs to co-locate on renewable energy generation sites. James tells me about how he came to crypto and about how Bitcoin can potentially be a useful component in the transition to 100% renewables. It's behold upon me also to disclose that I have a small indirect interest in Mawson Infrastructure Group, who are listed on the NASDAQ exchange. James, thanks so much for joining me today on the show. Uh, I'd love you to tell me about how you arrived, you know, where you are today. If you could go backwards in time and, and tell me about tell me about how you got here. Yeah, I guess we accidentally landed in crypto. Um, I, I ran a family office for the first part of 15 odd years and um, we actually made a loan to a business that went sideways and we had to foreclose on that loan and it led me to looking at a distressed energy asset. Um, in, in the US and it was actually a flare gas asset and when, when I turned up to the US and had a look at this site I was like why are they just burning burning gas and and that's the way they did it back then um, and they still do it to today and I, I thought there'd be a better use so it took me on a little journey and I and I ultimately found um, I found a site where they had a generator attached to one of these flare gas opportunities and they were mining uh, they were mining Bitcoin with a S9 miner, which was the generation of mining equipment back then, uh, which has you know, long been superseded, but uh, was the right generation of equipment you know, three, and, three and a bit odd years ago, four years ago, that was, was being used. So, we, um, so we, you know, we had a look at it and it made a lot of sense to us. We understood what Bitcoin mining was all about pretty quickly and that's what we wanted to do. Cool. So the economics worked for you. That was the, that was the bottom line? Yeah, it, it seemed to make a lot of economic sense for us. Um, you know, the, we had, had a bit of a background in understanding about technology. We understand, understood infrastructure. So, you know, a combination of infrastructure and technology understandings really made a lot of sense to us. And, you know, we overlaid that with um, our, um, we overlaid that with really an energy thematic. And we said there's going to be a huge opportunity uh, in the energy space. And, We've really been thinking about it, you know, about as an energy play, the whole crypto space is part of an energy play and, and how we can use a decentralized finance and decentralized compute to ultimately help transition to a decarbonized society. Okay, so for the benefit of the of the listener who hasn't heard about Morse infrastructure, could you give them the the kind of elevator pitch on on what you're doing? Then if, I, I get how you arrived. Then it, you know you you were exposed to it directly and, and and kind of needed to get your hands dirty. But now now this is a business that's got um that's got a, a direct interest in, in in mining and a really kind of interesting modular kind of methodology and, and I'm sure a whole lot of other things. But can you give us the the, the, the helicopter view on, on what you guys are doing now and, and what Morton is? Yeah, so we, today we're a NASDAQ-listed business. So we're listed on NASDAQ. You could buy our shares through Comsec or through your local broker here in Australia um, with the code MIGI. And and I guess 
that's really the culmination of a few years' work. Um, and, and what we are today is a leading digital infrastructure business. So we think of ourselves no different to other infrastructure businesses like poles and wires or a traditional data centre. But I guess our focus is principally around digital currency. And we're looking at the whole ecosystem and we're trying to do that in an ESG-friendly way. Um, and, and we are focused primarily on Bitcoin mining. Um, if you said to me, what are our, the two core aspects of our business today? I'd say one's the infrastructure side, which is which is the mining. So that's owning the computers in the modular data centers. And the other is our asset management. Um, the asset management business um, we recently launched uh, in Australia and uh, an ETF, which tracks globally miners that are listed around the world. And that's listed on, on ChaiX with the code DIGA. And it's a great way of looking at you know, how you get exposure to this space. You, you can go now and buy buy a, st- buy a single stock and give you a basket of stocks like a normal ETF would um, that really gives investors and people a way to access this emerging ecosystem. Okay, cool. So let's just, let's narrow in then on the mining side. Um, so so where are you guys uh, pro- predominantly setting up sites and, and what makes you different uh, from, from the other, from the other miners out there? Yeah, so we've got, we've got four sites uh, currently. One's in Nebraska, one's in Georgia. We're just establishing a new site in Pennsylvania and we just got a site up operational uh, just north of Byron Bay. So I think the thing that really separates us from a lot of the others in the market is, you know, we're definitely ESG focused. Um, and so we're, we're in a, a net zero miner and we're very focused on, you know, ensuring our green credentials are, are valid and, and uh, are, are true green, green credentials. So, you know, our new site that we've just uh, signed up in Pennsylvania, 100 megawatts worth of energy capacity, um, net zero, nuclear founded, you know, four cent power so with a lot of expansion opportunities. So um, we're very, very focused on this renewable aspect of mining um, and ensuring that, you know, we're really, we're really adding value to the network by building infrastructure that is based on renewable energy ultimately. And, and tell me, um, from the point of view of the, 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 the parties that you're, you know, you're, you're working with, the, the producers of energy, um, are you just another offtake for them or is there something different about the way that your relationship works? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. So I, I, think, I think you see the industry matures and progresses. I think what you've seen in the last, you know, two years is a real industrialization of mining. So, you know, the mums and dads mining at home are really being, you know, I, I wouldn't say they've been pushed out, but I, I think you can definitely see that mining's become la- larger scale and there's bigger businesses doing it. And so with that comes different partnerships. So uh, Byron Bay is a really good example. We partnered with Quinbook Infrastructure. Um, they're one of the world's leading um, renewable energy um, infrastructure funds in the world. They've got something like eight gigawatts worth of energy infrastructure globally. So you know that partnership's not just about power, it's about profit share. Um, and, and it's about both of us seeing a way that, you know, data centres can really help decarbonise society moving forward. Okay, so with the Australian one, a lot of people say, oh, you can't do it in Australia. Um, it's not profitable. How have you guys structured this one in, in Aussie? Um, and, and how have you mitigated some of the challenges, you know, when it comes to overnight renewables in, in, in Australia? Yeah, so the site there, you know, you get a combination of, you know, grid tied and non-grid tied. And I think that's the challenge with a lot of renewable sites. So if you look like a wind powered site, you know, you're not going to have the perfect wind all the time. So you have to be willing to buy from the grid in the in the, in the periods where it's not not available. And the same same occurs with, you know, solar. For us, we've done a deal where we're, where we're partnered in at the generational level. Um, so at the power station level. Um, 
and you know that that works for us and if we need to buy from the grid for you know short periods of time we have that flexibility in the in the way we're structured but um you know it's it's a great transaction where we're you know really supported by by an energy infrastructure partner that understands what the space is about i think over the long term and from their point of view yeah how does how how do you guys help them you know you you mentioned that it it, you know, helps them uh, or helps the adoption of renewables, and 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 tell me about how that how that works. What is it that you're bringing that that say another another buyer of their energy source is not bringing? So I think the great thing about um, Bitcoin mining and, and and digital you know distributed data centers is the ability not to be on twenty four seven. So we have the ability to curtail. So I, I think the scenario I like people to think about is you know. What a summer's day in January looks like when the when the mercury hits forty degrees Celsius. Um, you don't want our data center consuming energy. You want to be able to put that energy back to the grid, and and we can offer that flexibility. So, you know, if we're consuming twenty megs, fifty megs, one hundred megs of power, and we say, hey, we'll turn off between, you know, four and six for two hours. That's adding that energy back to the network, but also it gives the um, it, it gives the generator that that surety that they they can. I guess, supply energy to the network and the grid at the right time um, and, and keep the grid stable and, and provide energy security to the broader market and network. So, you know, it works for both sides and, you know, that's that flexibility is invaluable. And I think that's what that's how you see, you know, Bitcoin mining businesses and just, you know, edge data centers and HPC computing at the edge really um, add value to the economy long term. So you guys are set up. Your miners are they on site? Is that is that how that works? Yeah, they're they're on site. So we've got a modular data center. It's it's like a shipping container. It's a bit more than a shipping container, but I think for you know listeners at home to think about it like a shipping container, we have a shipping container. We drop it on site and we we connect it up. So you know to oversimplify it, we turn up with a, you know an extension lead and we plug it into the wall of the power station <laughs> and, uh, and and we're on and we're live. Um, I, I mean, I've really oversimplified. A lot of technical work and expertise <laughs> there, but you know, plug it, and play. It's, it's plug and play. Um, you know, there's a lot Just of work like to get to plug yeah. exactly like your headphones. So, you know, a lot of work <laughs> to get us there, but um, you know, conceptually, that's the idea. And I think that's one of our great advantages is this modular approach that we can sort of turn up and plug and play. You know, we recently built um, we recently built a twenty meg facility uh, um, with you know eight containers down in six weeks. Uh, um, so you know that gives you a feel for our ability to rapidly deploy this equipment you know assuming the energy infrastructure is there we literally can turn up with our equipment and plug and play and I, I think that's a real strategic advantage for our business over the long term because we have that ability to be really flexible in how we build and deploy load well, it was quite an interesting you know not quite but I don't think people quite understand that sometimes actually um, the ability to turn off is, is as important as the ability to turn on. But, but you know, you're giving, potentially giving the, the, these uh, generators, you know, assurances around when they've got, when they've got supply or, or when they're putting, when they've got output that needs consumption. Uh, and, 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 and I'm assuming that you then have deals that, that kind of a structure around that. That's really fascinating. Let, let's, um, let's just talk quickly about the, the challenges you face, because I think that, you know, a lot of people, you know, look at mining and they, and they, and they, it's either too technical or, or the power problems too hard. What are the biggest challenges you guys have faced in the past couple of years and, and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I think there's a few challenges there. I think if you said to me, what, what challenges me today? And I think, you know, the big ones are global logistics. Um, I think there's regulatory challenges. And I think, you know, the, the, the power infrastructure and the mining equipment infrastructure 
are all challenges, you know, that we, we have to face day in, day out. Um, you know, COVID's really thrown a spanner in the work as far as logistics. So moving stuff, transporting stuff, getting stuff out mm. of Asia into the US and into Australia, that's all become more complex. I think no one can underestimate the uncertainty um, provided by a lack of regulatory clarity. And I think we've really seen recently the Bragg report here in Australia starting to give some clarity. And I mean, I, I see today that CBA's been, you know, the cat's been let out of the bag there. And it looks like CBA is going to allow crypto within their app environment. Um, we don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm sure they want some certainty and some clarity around that. Um, but so I'd say regulatory challenges are a real a real challenge in the space because you know with them goes things like debanking and we've heard a lot about that in the media over the last you know last couple of months as it's been through the Senate committees and you know it's a real thing that a lot of people in crypto have experienced they've they've found a letter from their bank or a, some cor- correspondence saying hey you're in crypto we'd we'd like to not bank you anymore and that's that, that's not a great experience for anyone especially if you're banked with a big one of the big banks for years and years, and then you find out because of your passion project in crypto, you're no longer a customer. It's it's really really un- undesirable, and so I think you know that's a challenge we've had we've had as well. You know we're fortunate we haven't been debanked, but you know it's it's definitely restricted you know um, people's perception of the business, um, access to capital over time. It's got easier as time's got on, but I, I look back three years ago having conversations in this space and. People thought I was crazy. I said, I want to build an institutional and industrial grade miner. And they're like, this thing's a fad. It's going to, it's, you know, it's, it's going to bubble. go to, z- it's, it's a bubble. It's going to zero and it's illegal. And you're like, well, it's actually not illegal, guys. But, you know, there's definitely, you know, that that dynamic and that conversation's definitely matured. And, and I think you can definitely mm-hmm. see in investors and the institutional investment market, they've all realized it's not a fad. It's not a bubble. And, you know, it's no longer illegal in, in, in many people's eyes. So, you know, I think the I think the great challenge and the greatest opportunity for crypto, whether you're you're at home trying to, you know, buy some Bitcoin on Kraken or whether you're thinking about should I buy, a, you know, a buy a mining device and put it in my home is that, you know, the regulatory certainty that's coming down the pipeline, I think, gives you some real, real surety as an investor coming into the space or an enthusiast coming into the space that, you know, you're not going to have something that's worth zero tomorrow because the government's decided to tax it to tax it or, or ban it as they did in China. Yeah, that's right. I was just about to mention. I, I, I guess one, one really interesting thing about your your uh, setup, though, is that you know if you can bring it in quickly, you can. My assumption is you can also lift it out quickly, um, and 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 that would be you know I, I I don't think the regulatory problem has been solved, and um and I fully agree with you that it's looking a little bit more certain here, but. Speaking of that, you know, it's different in every country and, you know, you guys are a global operation. So where it sounds like you're focused in, in North America. Is that going to be the focus in, in the short to medium term for you from, from a regulatory point of view? Is that, the, is that the best place to be? Look, I think Australia presents a huge opportunity if we can find the right, right locations and do the right transactions. I also think the US is, you know, a very stable operating environment. You're seeing some states in the US that are, are definitely more crypto friendly than other states and you know obviously we're going to focus our energy and attention to those states that are that are open for business for want of a word um so you know you know i don't think you'll see just one site from us here in australia and we're actively working on another site and you know i can't go into a lot of detail but you know we we are actively working to build a second facility here in australia and I, i think that's going to be a huge opportunity for us um and it's really about bringing some of the 
the network and the hash and this infrastructure into Australia and, and really ensuring there's diversity in, in, in the d- distribution of network hash and some security around it not being you know, centrally, lo- centrally located in one jurisdiction. And, and I think that's an important process as well. So I think we've got to think about that from a broader network dynamic, about how, how and where hash sits. Yeah, makes sense. I, I mean, I think the the unfortunate thing for the Chinese people is that, that ban has, you know, limited their participation. But from the point of view of the kind of macro perspective on distribution of hashing power, I think it's actually been, you know, net positive for, for the Bitcoin network at very least. Um I mean, one thing that, that does interest me is is kind of completely off-grid setups and what you, I guess what, you know, what, what I'm guessing that one of the challenges in, in the Australian market is the way that the grid set up here um, and that being on site helps that. But ha, are there, you know, have you seen or have you guys looked at completely off-grid setups for, for people who want to or have land, say, you know, detached from major grids? Um, is that something that, you know, your product is, is suited for? Yeah, definitely in the US we're looking at that. Um, I, I think the problem for us is a lot of the a lot of the sites in the US that are off grid, for want of a word, um, are stranded gas projects or, or, or fossil mm. fuel projects, and that doesn't suit our you know ESG dynamic and it doesn't meet our thresholds. So you know I can't with good conscience go and go and buy a got buy and build infrastructure where I know it it's it's a fossil fuel based product but you know if you look at like an off-grid solar or if you look look at an off-grid wind um you know there's definitely opportunities but with them come challenges you know because ultimately as a miner with you know bitcoin price where it is today you want to be operational as much as you can so if you're looking at a wind project where you you might have a 40 percent efficiency you don't really want to be or a 60 you know 50 percent efficiency you don't want to be offline so then you've got to look at the battery infrastructure attached to it so you know that that Mm. pure off off-grid stuff is very, very difficult in, in, in all renewable energy, um, but it's definitely doable in um, in fossil fuel energy, in, in things like gas and so forth. But I guess as a firm, we've taken a, a view that we don't uh, we don't want to support you know fossil fuel industry ultimately, and so um, you know we're not looking to co-locate in those sort of facilities at the moment. Interesting, makes sense. Look, I think it's a it's a welcome attitude when it comes to you know building infrastructure for for, for crypto, in particular Bitcoin, where there has been a lot of you know I guess contentious argument around its consumptive uh, impost on 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 kind of global consumption. Um, but one thing I did want to kind of get to here though is is the I, I get you could potentially talk about it as being a threat to a certain extent, but you know the mining space. Um, proof of work mining has, you know, been the mining uh, methodology, you know, uh, up until very recently. But we're starting to see alternative methodologies emerge on a bunch of different chains. As far as I'm aware, you guys are focused on Bitcoin. That's that that's that sounds totally reasonable. What what other or have you looked at other other um, networks and blockchains to mine? And and are you even considering, you know, whether or not proof of proof of stake network is uh, mining is something that is important to you and, and if so is that is, is that even possible given your structure yeah look it's it's an interesting one you know we're definitely always looking at new projects um and you know i, I think last year we, we we spun out or sorry early this year we spun out out of um what we call mawson labs which is the you know internal internal code word for things that we're developing on in, in various crypto projects um we spun out a business called distributed storage solutions and that's focused on filecoin um, and, and for those not familiar with Filecoin, that's that's the idea conceptually around uh, it's built on the IPFS network and it's about distributed storage. So 
um, hence the name distributed storage solutions. But um, what what we, what we saw is a real opportunity in that, and that's a bit of a hybrid between a bit of proof of work from the mining side and a proof of stake. You have to lodge collateral, which is fill or Filecoin. Um, and, and we see a lot of use cases for, for Filecoin, and you're definitely seeing things with... Um, NFT starting to move that data to be stored on the Filecoin network. So there's genuine use cases for this for for this medium. So you know, one of our criteria is you know if we're looking at a project, what's the use case and who's going to use this? So um, you know Filecoin's a bit of a hybrid. It's got a mining component, but it's definitely got a proof of stake component, mm. um, and and it's a real collateral component. So so we quite like that, but it's right in our wheelhouse where we also have to run and build that infrastructure. So, you know, we have to have large large space in data centers with dedicated storage around, you know, providing that infrastructure. So I, I think you're going to see a combination of proof of stake and pr- proof of work style applications being built. I think one of the great things about a proof of work application is, you know, it definitely provides security to the network in, in the form of the infrastructure. And that infrastructure is valuable. Um, and, if you remove the onus on infrastructure in some of these stuff, I think you make the, the network a little, more, a little bit more susceptible to certain certain bad actors in the space. But um, I think that can also be offset with, you know, the right requirements and technical requirements around hardware and so forth and when they're co-located in a proof-of-stake environment. But, you know, we very much want to see it democratised and spread out. And, and I guess from a structural perspective, we're like crypto projects where, you know, everyone can participate and, and not just some parties can participate, which you do see in some of these proof of stake ones where, you know, the infrastructure, no one can participate by the founders group or select groups. And we, we, we'd like to see that a little bit more open in some of these proof of stake, stake coins. That's a really fascinating perspective. And you've inspired me to, to kind of think about whether I should do it. And I, and I probably should do an episode on, you know, proof of stake and proof of work and and, and the kind of arguments for and against. Because because conceptually, you know, and I'd never really thought about it until you mentioned it, um, Proof of work is kind of like an off-chain security solution uh, for, for for the network for what becomes a you know a blockchain network. So it's quite it's quite interesting, quite elegant. Yeah, I, I, absolutely, and, and I, I think that was the that was the beauty in in the original white paper that as the network got bigger and bigger and bigger, it became stronger and stronger. And so as time went on, value should continue to rise. Is the idea with the scarcity factor of Bitcoin, and, and ultimately. You know, it becomes harder and harder to mine the Bitcoin, and in doing so, you know, computers are you know computers have to become more advanced, or or there has to be more computers doing it, and that all comes with a cost, and that infrastructure cost is what I think underpins the ultimate value proposition of Bitcoin, um, and and forms a backstop to the infrastructure like traditional mining businesses have. So, no different to a gold business or an iron ore business, where you know there's a cost to produce you know, an ounce of gold today. And, and that's reflective of the, the time, value and effort associated with going and doing that work. And there's big, there's big infrastructure and big companies built around that. And I think that's what you want behind your blockchain network. You want lots of independent big businesses securing the network, not, a, not a centralized in the hands of a few. And, and I think that's, that's a really important way to look about it long term. It's a perfect way to end, end the show. James, thanks so much for, for joining me and telling me about what you guys are up to and for your unique perspective. So uh, I wish you all the best. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks everyone for joining me on this show and for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe and review on your podcast platform of choice and we'll make sure we take you right to the edge of the crypto frontier. And remember, you can learn more about all things crypto by visiting kraken.com learn. 
Until next time, I've been Jonathan Miller, and this has been The Crypto Frontier. <laughs>